You're clocked out. We're locked in. You're listening to Crunch Time with Miguez and Mesh here on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. The Sweet 16 is here. Welcome to Crunch Time right here on the game. Southwest Louisiana Sports Station in your home for the LSU Tigers and World Series champion Houston Astros. Matt Miguez here. Give us a call on the game hotline, 337-706-0111 as we are broadcasting live from the FCO Development Studios in Upper Lafayette. FCO Development is a civil construction company specializing in new multifamily construction. The Sweet 16 kicks off tonight, four games tonight, four games tomorrow. And then, of course, in the weekend, you'll have the Elite Eight so that they can push it to the Final Four next weekend in Houston. Got some great games on on the schedule for tonight. Michigan State and Kansas State, Arkansas, UConn, Florida, Atlantic, Tennessee, Gonzaga, UCLA. We're going to talk about those four matchups and the four matchups tomorrow. A little later on in the show, we'll also talk about the Louisiana Ragin' Cajuns picking up their fifth straight win of the season, taking down Southeastern last night in a pitcher's duel, and a whole lot more on today's edition of Crunch Time. My producer and co-host is Mr. James Mesh. James, I know it's a Thursday, but I'm going to go ahead and say happy Friday to you, sir. Might as well for us. How are you? I'm doing good, Matt. How about you? Um, it, it's a it's an unexpected Friday, so I'm great. Yeah, I'm I'm doing very well. So tomorrow, there, there's going to be some nasty weather in the area. So LSU is being proactive, and they're moving their baseball game up to noon. So first pitch will be at noon. Pre-game will be at 11:30. Catch it right here on the game, and then immediately following. The conclusion of LSU baseball, we're going to have LSU women's basketball on our airwaves as they will take on Utah in Greenville, South Carolina for a spot in the Elite Eight. First time since 2014 that the LSU women's basketball team has played has made it to the Sweet 16. So we'll preview that game later today as well. But one thing that that I kind of want to kick off the show with, because I just think it is a mind-blowing scenario. Because in, in today's age of social media and, you know, everybody's got a camera, you can never be too careful about what you say and who you say it around and things of that nature has an assistant coach for the Carolina Panthers spoiled their plans for the number one overall pick. What I mean is, at Ohio State's Pro Day yesterday, C.J. Stroud was seen having a conversation with Frank Reich, owner David Tepper, and quarterbacks coach Josh McCown. After the workout, they were, t- they were having a couple of discussions, you know, talking things over. And at the end of the conversation, Josh McCown and C.J. Stroud were overheard talking about playing a game of horse against one another. And then what Josh McCown said in response to that conversation may end up getting him in trouble. 
probably not, but, and I quote, maybe when you live in Charlotte, we'll find a court. Hmm. Hmm. So, I don't think Carolina, now, could this all be one giant smokescreen? Yes. Yes, it could be. However, I am starting to believe less and less that Carolina is moving out of that number one spot. I think that they could very well be taking C.J. Stroud, as they should. In my opinion, I think he's the best quarterback in the draft. And I think he's got the highest upside in the NFL. And if you pair C.J. Stroud in Frank Reich's offense, I think it just works. And here's the thing. If you're Carolina, you don't move up to number one without having a guy in mind. You just don't. You move up from nine to one because there's a guy that you want and you're going to make sure you get him. And I'm starting to think, James, that that guy is C.J. Stroud. Yeah, because <laughs> you had you had it in your head before, and we, we both had thrown the idea out there that, you know, maybe the Carolina Panthers are just doing a Carolina thing and going to get another freak athlete of a quarterback and going to get Anthony Richardson. But after that video, you could easily say it's a smokescreen because right about this time, smoke screen starts to happen. You hear these reports about this, your reports about that. And when in doubt, that's just all a bunch of nonsense. And the teams are actually thinking this the whole time. So could it be, could that be some ch- major chess play by Josh McCown and the Panthers to set it up to where like, Hey, yeah, Josh. Yeah. Go and talk to CJ. Go talk about play basketball and him coming to Charlotte in a couple months. It could be, it could be, but that's not likely. That would that would be one hell of a smokescreen. Yeah, that's that's certainly not likely um, in this situation. Just because when you've got somebody like Josh McCown, who understands how the business works, he was a quarterback in the NFL for God a lifetime. It felt like played for fourteen different teams, right? Like he, Dude, he's played for damn near half the league. He's been around the block. So he gets it. He understands how it works. So for him to be able to just, you know, loosely have that conversation, hmm, things are going to get interesting in Charlotte very, very soon. I mean, it's interesting because Albert Breer did just bring up that the Panthers are having dinner with Will Levis tonight. Well, yeah. Which I mean, you're going to do your rounds. You're, you're, you're going to you're going to have dinner with all four of them. You're not going to go to just one QB's pro day. Correct. You're going to only have one conversation with you're, one guy. You're going to meet and interview and sit down with all of them. You're going to do your due diligence to see, like, hey, let's go talk. I mean, maybe we missed something, and this guy actually is not who exactly we thought he was, and he's actually even better. So maybe we got to reconsider. But likely, you're still going to go with who you're looking at from the jump. Correct. So 
that's an interesting story to to pay attention to. Your poll question of the day yesterday, it was announced that Zion Williamson has been cleared to return to on-court activities and will be reevaluated in two weeks. Well, considering that there's only 10 games left in the season, does he return in the regular season? Yes? No? Maybe? James, what do you think? I'm going with no. I, at this point, you're cutting it too close. Sure, he's going to be having team. He's going to be doing on-court activities at this point, but he won't be reevaluated again. If they would have said he will be back and and have his jersey on in two weeks and Correct. start playing, Correct. Well, yeah, because then he would play the last two, two or games. three games. Yep. But you're reevaluating him, so you then have to ramp him up and have him start actually doing practices, practices, and do full practices. So I, I just can't see it. Yes, no, who knows, who cares? So far, 39% say no. 30% say who cares. 19% say who knows. And then 12% say yes. Uh, we, we talked about it yesterday. The Pelicans... I, I, I'm just starting to think that they're cursed. Anytime there's a glimmer of hope that the Pelicans might be competitive, it gets shot down by something. Coach gets suspended. Player gets hurt. There's always something. I think they're just cursed. I just think that they're going to be one of those franchises that, you know, is always halfway decent never sucks birds of a feather flock together and they on the injury report but they just never win remind me a lot of the Detroit Lions in today's NFL should I say the Detroit Lions always pretty decent they're, they, they're never they're never bottom feeders at least in the last couple of years, they haven't been. And they they get a top pick every now and again. And they never really win anything. It's just it's just kind of how I picture it. But, you know, that's that's just me. Another thing that we're gonna get into today, James. CBS Sports has announced its top 100 players in the MLB for the 2023 season. And some of the placement of our lovely Houston Astros might surprise you just a little bit. We'll take a time out here on Crunch Time and we will do that next is crunch time on the game 1037 lafayette and 1041 lake charles southwest louisiana's sports station your home for the lsu tigers and houston astros the world famous harlem globetrotters are returning to the cajun dome on saturday april 15th and the game 1037 lafayette and 1041 lake charles wants to help you score tickets to the show Text GLOBE to 337-283-8100 to score a family four-pack of tickets. That's GLOBE 
to 283-8100. So shoot a text and get your tickets and be amazed at the Globetrotters' ball handling skills, dunks, and laugh-out-loud antics. Got something to say to Miguez and Mesh? Hell yeah! It's easy. Just call the hotline by dialing 337-706-0111. Now, back to more Crunch Time with Miguez and Mesh. Here on The Game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. 417 here on your Thursday. Welcome back to Crunch Time. Matt Miguez, James Mesh. The game hotline is 337-706-0111. And here in Acadiana, you can check us out on our simulcast on Stadium 32.3 and Channel 133 on LUS Fiber. All right, James, the MLB season starts a week from today. So CBS Sports has put out their top 100 players heading into the season. And there are a ton of Astros on here, but they are not in the spot that you maybe thought they would be. Now, here's what I mean by that. In your opinion, James, what quality of player is Jordan Alvarez? One of the best ones. Okay, so top 10. Uh, I mean, I would, I would say top 15, top 20. Okay. You you okay. could say. So he comes in at 16. Mhm. Which would be right in your wheelhouse of top 20. Like you you could make the argument that he could be just outside or like right inside the top 10 like in that 8 to 13 range. But I'm not mad that so, he's at 16. So your top player is Shohei Otani. Then it's Aaron Judge, then it's Mike Trout, and then it's Mookie Betts, then mm-hmm. it's Juan Soto. Then it's Nolan Arenado, Jose Ramirez, Garrett Cole, Manny Machado, and then Sandy Alcantara rounds out the top 10. Julio Rodriguez is 12. Ronald Acuna is 13. Francisco Lindor is 15. You have Jordan at 16. And then you go to JT Real Muto at 20. Carlos Correa comes in at 22. Alex Bregman comes in at 24. And then Justin Verlander comes in at 25. So, Jordan, okay. Bregman, that's fair. Top 25 player, I'll, I'll agree with that. Kyle Tucker comes in at 37. I don't know that I necessarily agree with that. But, you know, part of me sits here and goes, maybe that's a little bit of homerism. I'm an Astros guy, blah, blah, blah. That, that might be a, like, a little... Like how, much, like, how much would you move him up? Are you trying to say move them up to like the thirty to thirty two range? I'd probably put them higher twenties. Mm. Twenty six, twenty seven. Okay. I mean, he he's he's been in conversations for league MVP in the American League for for a while now. I, I figured he would have been a little bit higher than that. Framber Valdez comes in at fifty four, which I find interesting as well. But then, and the, and Christian Javier is at 62. That's okay. This is where it really gets interesting for me. Jeremy Pena, who was a top candidate for AL Rookie of the Year. He won the ALCS MVP, and then he won the World Series MVP. You want to explain to me how that resume 
comes in at number 96. I know it's a star-studded first year for Pena, and I get it. To me, you could say he should be in the 80s or even high 70s. I get that. But to me, the fact that you have how many players in the MLB? Over 700? Oh, man. Because you probably. play, you got about 24 and you got 30 teams. Yeah, probably somewhere between 750 and 1,000. Okay, so he's already a top 100 player after his first year. Like, you think about it. Like, I know he won all these accolades and he was a part of, and what helped was he was a part of the Astros and they won the World Series. So that kind of helped get some of those awards for sure. But I think after his first year, I think that's a good, that's not a bad mark. Putting him at 96 in the top 100 after your first year, are you really that mad? Do you want me to be honest? I know you are, but you shouldn't be. I'd... Because because we've seen it before with other leagues. Like in the NFL, when they do their top 100, it's like guys that have great rookie years, it's not like they usually put them crazy high. They put them in the top 100 because they had a spectacular year. But look, if you have a, a, set, a sophomore year where you're putting up similar numbers and you're still a stud, yeah, they're going to move you to the 60s, the 50s, the 40s. But I'm not mad that they put Jeremy Pena at 96, even though he had a great year. That was only his first year. Get a little more skins on the wall and put up similar numbers again, you're going to command a lot more respect. More than you've already commanded by being top 100 in the league after one year of play. I, w- I would have put him in the 80s, but that's just me. That's just me. Um, staying on the topic of baseball, let's talk about the Louisiana Raging Cajuns getting a 2 nothing win last night over Southeastern to improve to 16-6 and on the season. It was a pitcher's duel. The Cajuns were able to get 10 base hits last night, but they only scratched across two runs, one of them becoming coming in on a RBI hit by a pitch. It was a bases loaded hit by a pitch that brought in the run to make it two to nothing in the sixth. You look at it, Ben Robichaux continues to find his way on base. He had four plate appearances, or four at-bats, excuse me. He got on base twice last night. Uh, Carson Rockefort has the RBI hit by a pitch. Kyle DeBarge had a good night as well. And then Max Marshak getting the other RBI in the fourth inning with an RBI single to score Peyton Lejeune. It was a... Good performance by Cooper Rawls, who improves to 5-0 and on the season. He's the winning pitcher. Brendan Moody gets the save. His second, uh, Cooper going three innings. No hits, no runs. He walked one, struck out two. He faced 10 batters and threw 45 pitches. Uh, and then Brendan Moody coming in with a two-inning save. He struck out two, walked zero, gave up no hits as well. Following this win for Louisiana... Matt Deggs talked about the pitching and how well they performed against Southeastern. Well, they're a good ball club. You know, Matt Reiser has done a tremendous job there for a long time, and they've got good players. They played us tough, man. They scattered 10 hits, and, you know, they pitched us tough. Uh, but what can you say about Coach Tibbs' staff? I mean, that's three straight games, I think, at two hits or less, and, and – uh, you know, another shutout, and that's that's uh, like me and Brad were talking about. That's not just a single guy. That's that's a staff, and uh, so uh, I'm proud of where they were at and where they've come from to get where they're at right now. Uh, 
That was a good game. Coach Deggs also talked about Brendan Moody and his new role because earlier in the year you kind of saw him as a weeknight starter, long reliever type of person. Now he's coming in 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 late relief, sometimes closing. So Coach Deggs talked about his new role. I told you early in the week, and it may have slipped, you may have missed it, but that I was going to revamp it a little bit moving forward. Because I feel like Jackson Nazu is is right. got a shot to jump up, and Moody is more for me, more valuable as a swing guy, as a utility guy. Uh, meaning close midweek, I'll use him Friday night. Uh, if we don't, then he's available to start on Sunday. Brendan Moody was also asked if the plan last night was for him to be the closer. The real plan uh, was really not to use me a whole lot today, just get a little bit in, see what I could do in the back end of the bullpen. And uh, I got in the eighth, and I just felt really good, so they just decided to keep with it and save Marsh. And head coach Matt Deggs also talked about their weekend coming up with a three-game series against their bitter rival in South Alabama. Well, with any any conference game, I look at it like a 10-week war, man, 30 battles, and and – you have to match intensity, and you've got to. It's 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 a it's it's almost like football. I mean, you're only playing three games on a weekend, and you've got to come out and just let it all hang out. And and you got to play with passion. You got to play hard. And there's no time for getting tired. And this this that ain't this group. They're in great shape. They love to play, and they're built out last people. So uh, just get over there and play our game. And looking at South Alabama, this game's this series is going to be very interesting, James, because South Alabama and the Cajuns have a long storied history. If you if you look it up on social media and on YouTube, there's a video. I want to say it's either the late '80s or the early '90s. Uh, these two teams got in a legit fist fight at the Teak, all out brawl. So there is a there is a bitter history uh, between these two these two programs, and South Alabama's typically pretty good. You know, you, you played them in the semifinals of, of the Sun Belt tournament last year, or, or the quarterfinals to get to to get to this point, but they are off to a very very slow start here in in twenty twenty three. They're eight and thirteen. They are zero and three to start the Sun Belt. And they're on a seven-game skid. They have lost their last seven contests, including losing two out of three to Jacksonville State, losing to Alabama in the midweek last week, and then, like I said, getting swept by Georgia Southern to open Sunbelt play last weekend. And then they lost 6-5 to five on Tuesday to Auburn. So now they're going to come back to Stanky Field in Mobile, probably pissed off so the 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 question that i have for this contest or the series is south alabama's coming in on a seven game skid like i said they're probably going to be pissed off yeah you got to expect them to come out with their hair on fire does that put the cajuns at an advantage is it one of those things where they're going to use the seven-game losing streak as motivation, or are they going to be down on themselves? 
Because depending on the answer to that question, the series could go an entirely different direction. I can't, I can't see a Jaguars team getting down on themselves this early into conference play. Because you're starting off 0-3 in conference. You can't be down on yourself already. If you want to make a comeback, now would be the time. So you gotta you got to put in extra effort, and the Cadence, to me, need to be worried about the Jaguars playing spoilers. Will Turner is their statistic from batting average standpoint, their leading hitter. He's hitting 361 so far on the season. Eight doubles, two triples, two homers. He has 21 RBIs. And then their home run leader is Colson Lawrence. He's hitting 304 with six homers and 17 RBIs so far on the season. They're going to play tomorrow night at 630, Saturday at 2, hopefully, if the weather permits, and then Sunday at 1. I would not be surprised if they try to get a doubleheader in on Saturday because Sunday is supposed to be even worse than Saturday. Sunday, there's like an 80% chance of rain. So I wouldn't be surprised if they tried to pull a doubleheader on Saturday. But we'll take a timeout. We're going to talk some NCAA tournament and spring football with Saturday Down South's Connor O'Gara next this is Crunch Time on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. This March, you got to protect yourself against upsets with bracket parlay insurance on FanDuel Sportsbook. Right now, all customers can get up to $25 back each day if your parlay of three legs or more just falls one leg short. I'm going to take Houston, Alabama, and UCLA to win their Sweet 16 matchups. And with a parlay, you can turn a small bet into a slam dunk. And with cash out, you're going to be calling the shots because you can close out your bet whenever you want before the game is over. Just sign into your FanDuel Sportsbook account or go to FanDuel.com slash KLWB to sign up today. That's FanDuel.com slash KLWB. Make every moment more with FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook. You must be 21 and older and present in Louisiana and permitted parishes only. Bonus issued is non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire seven days after the receipt. Max bonus $25 per day unless otherwise specified. Restrictions apply. See full terms at fandle.com slash sportsbook. And if you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-877-770-STOP. This is Crunch Time, live from the Evco Development Studios in Upper Lafayette on the game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. 436, welcome back to Crunch Time here on the game. Southwest Louisiana's sports station, Matt Miguez, James Mesh. The NCAA tournament, it's it's getting to the point where it's almost over, unfortunately. Uh, But this is where it's going to get good. Sweet 16, the Elite Eight, Final Fours next weekend. It's going to be a lot of fun. Let's talk about the NCAA tournament plus some spring football with our guy Connor O'Gara. He is a senior columnist for Saturday Down South. Connor, appreciate you taking the time, man. How are you? I'm doing well. I'm I'm looking forward to to tonight. I feel like when we get back to that, oh yeah, there's like a full night of basketball. That reality sinks in. Of there's a reason why we love this time of year so much, and I uh, I've missed I've missed hoops for the last four days. I'm going to be honest. Yeah, you know, I it it I made the joke with my wife the other night that you know that that first week you get so 
tied up in you know moving your schedule around March Madness that when you come home and there's no basketball to watch, you're like, man, what the hell do I do? I know. I go through that, too. And this year was a little bit different. I, I actually covered the tournament in person this year for the first time in, like, 11 years, I want to say. Yeah, like the first time in 11 years because it was in, in my backyard here in Orlando, and it worked out really well and was able to see uh, a whole lot of teams in action, including a, a certain Tennessee team that'll that'll be in action tonight. So, yeah, I mean, I, I felt like I got a – a really good perspective. It was it was a fun time. It was a busy it was a busy uh, four days, but I definitely enjoyed it and looking very much forward to the Sweet Sixteen. So you got to see Tennessee play our Louisiana Raging Cajuns, correct? I, I did. I can't believe Tennessee let them back in that game. And I, I'm going to be honest, like with all due respect to Louisiana, who fought in that game, they fought, they fell behind 18 points in that game, and I thought, all right. Tennessee's got them right where they want them. This is kind of this is over and done. I'm going to start writing my column. I mean, that game got, like, way too close for comfort down the stretch. And Louisiana kept making shots, and that's always kind of been the thing with Tennessee is it feels like their droughts are inevitable. Their, their ebbs and flows and offensively, I mean, they just feel like they, they are a five-minute scoring drought waiting to happen at all times. And if that game had been, like, two minutes extra, I mean, I think Louisiana advances to the next round. You see, one thing that I, I learned in, in that opening weekend with the game against the Cajuns and then – the way, the way they were able to handle Duke, when you have a good performance out of Santiago Vescovi, they're they're a completely different ball team. Yeah, they are, and I, I you know, I'll say this: I would hate to guard Vescovi. I would hate to officiate Vescovi. That guy is so savvy, and he knows all the tricks in the book. I, I think that every single time he cocks his head back is like just the most frustrating thing to watch i mean he does it seemingly every time he gets touched and he's a great player i mean he's a really really good player and i think it was louisiana's coach who was saying like he got teed up in that game because of the way that interaction played out with vescovy down the stretch where vescovy celebrates a, a you know a defensive stop and it looks like he's chirping the louisiana bench and you know he's like the louisiana coach like you're, you're better than that like what, what are you doing i just like that that just was an uncharacteristic. I don't know. Uncharacteristic is the right way to phrase that, but it just was an unnecessary thing to do at that point in the game. And you know, he's saying like, "I voted him second team All American." He's I don't know if he's that good, but he's certainly a difference maker. And when he's making shots like he did against Duke, I mean that that does kind of take them to a next level because they do have limited offensive options. Getting twenty three second half points out of Olivia out of Olivier Kamwa was was huge, obviously for them as well in that one, but. That was like one of the most surprising games of the opening weekend. I did not think Tennessee had a chance against Duke, and they played the best game, in my opinion, yeah. of the Rick Barnes era. And then, you know, staying on the topic of Tennessee, they're going to have a tough matchup tonight in Madison Square Garden against a really fiery Florida Atlantic group. Uh, you know, just kind of preview this matchup, and, you know, does Rick Barnes and company move on to the Elite Eight? I think they move on, but here's something to keep in mind. When they beat Duke, they they earned their, and I should say Rick Barnes, earned his first win against a single-digit seed in the NCAA tournament since 2008. That is 15 years. FAU, still a single-digit seed. This is still a good team, a capable team that has been able to, to get a pretty favorable draw, I think, with the way that things played out down the stretch with some of those calls that, that went their way against Memphis, a game that they easily could have lost. And then obviously you get to face the 16th seed in the second round. But I look at it from this standpoint. I say, can Tennessee defend the three-point line? If they can defend the three-point line, they win. 
They, they do. That's easier said than done. But you're not going to go at the teeth of this Tennessee defense. Like, Duke thought it was blue-collar, and then it saw what Tennessee was and then realized, oh, that's a different level of blue-collar. I think Tennessee probably wins. I think this ends up being a close game, a game that's low-scoring in which we're like, ah, you know, this is kind of happening again. I think it should be gravy for Rick Barnes at this point. I don't think that if they lose tonight, we're all of a sudden asking, oh, you know, he can't win the big one. He choked or whatever. I think getting past Duke and getting to the second weekend is is worthy of us putting that narrative on the back burner for now. And then with Arkansas, I mean, Eric Musselman is probably one of the most entertaining college basketball coaches in the country. And uh, they're going to be matched up with a really good UConn team tonight. Uh, do, do we see Musk taking his shirt off on the scores table again? I don't think so. And I think he should only play that card once. I don't think that should be an every game thing. You know, like I get it. If you got it, flaunt it. That's, that's fine. I don't think that can be an every game thing, especially when you're at this stage. Like, act like you've done it before to a certain extent because you have. I mean, they're at that place where, you know, you don't want to see them in the tournament. And I guarantee you, there are a lot of UConn fans. I have a couple of my life who are sweating this out tonight going, oh boy, like, you know, you just never know. Even though on paper you can kind of look at it and say UConn with Danny Hurley and the team that he was able to build, a lot of which, you know, getting shooters in the transfer portal, how that's helped them. I think Sonogo is different than any matchup that Arkansas has seen so far in the NCAA tournament, even different than anything Kansas had. And they should present a lot of problems. They're, you know, top four in Ken Palm right now as well. Like Arkansas, though, at the same time, you just kind of come back to it. Like, okay, well, they have Musselman, and they're extremely talented. And you can't rule that out. Now, if they get another Devo Davis game, yeah, they can absolutely win. I thought that was the difference against Kansas. But, you know, I still think UConn probably pulls this out. I think as good as Arkansas has been, they haven't shown us that they can be that team that can beat three good teams, you know, and string those quality wins together. As great as those two weekend opening weekend wins were, I think it's still a pretty limited sample size to say that they're about to go to the Final Four. Chatting with Connor O'Gara from Saturday down south. And then, you know, you look at tomorrow, Matt, tomorrow's matchups. Alabama's going to play San Diego State in Louisville. You look at Alabama and, and Nate Oates and Brandon Miller, Nate Oates being a great coach, Brandon Miller arguably being the, the top prospect in, in this year's NBA draft. Is Alabama, in your opinion, the best team left in this tournament? Yeah, they are. They are. Highest floor, highest ceiling. They, they are. Um, and I, I think it's Final Four or bust. I don't think it's fair to say anybody is national championship or bust. Um, maybe you could say like some of these recent Gonzaga teams, you've kind of put that sort of expectation on them um, and what they deal with coming from the West Coast Conference. But I think with Alabama, it's Final Four or bust. The team that's ever been to, to the Final Four is, is trying to get to a place that um, look, I think it's, it's still difficult. I think that road, while it has opened up favorably, I mean, if you are a top seed in this tournament, all you can ask for is the road that Alabama's had, which is two blowout wins in opening weekend. And then, oh, by the way, your road to the Final Four, it won't include anyone better than a five seed. I mean, that is really ideal for a top seed in this tournament. But I saw San Diego State play in person twice, and I came away from it thinking, man, they're West Coast Tennessee. They're going to slow the tempo down. They have guards that are built like football players. They're going to be physical with Alabama. They defend the three-point line exceptionally well. And Alabama, we know, likes to put up those threes. They can beat you. Alabama can beat you in a lot of different ways. They can. But I think San Diego State, if you're kind of sleeping on them, you know, and you think this is just going to be another blowout, they don't have the skill that Alabama does. But, man, 
I, I think that they can absolutely give Alabama a 40-minute game. And who knows, maybe it ends up being their most difficult game en route to to playing for a national championship. Real quick on the women's side of things, obviously we're we're very focused on LSU here in South Louisiana. Can can Kim Mulkey put this LSU Tigers team back in the final four? Sure. And like to, to be honest and honest with you, like my, my responsibilities uh with SDS haven't had me as dialed in, but that's that's been kind of the thing this year, you know, on the women's side that the SEC has had these programs that feel like, all right, we're making those those next steps, and, and LSU is at the forefront of that. Obviously, all roads lead through South Carolina in terms of a national championship and what Don Staley has built. Obviously, that's the goal for LSU. But, yeah, I mean, it comes down to coaching this time of year. It, it really does. And You get in these situations, this is where experience kind of pays off. And, and I would think that LSU is in a really, really nice position to be able to get that, 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 that final four berth, which is exactly what Scott Woodward was hoping when when you go out and you poach a coach of that caliber, this is the exact reason why you want to have a coach as accomplished as Kim Mulkey is. Now, looking at spring football, everybody's just about underway. You know, LSU, great year one for Brian Kelly, Alabama, Georgia. What what are some storylines through spring football that that you're kind of paying attention to right now? Paying attention to Bobby Petrino at Texas A&M. That is, oh, that is great A entertainment. Seeing Jimbo Fisher hand the keys of his offense over to Bobby Petrino, or maybe not hand the keys over to him, um, based on some of the comments that you're seeing come out for this first spring press conference, it's going to be a fascinating dynamic no matter what. If A&M takes off and Bobby Petrino looks like he is the answer and the missing piece to the, to, to the A&M puzzle, that's going to be so fascinating to watch Jimbo Fisher have to admit that he was maybe the problem offensively and alternatively if they fail and they flounder like they did last year and Jimbo Fisher feels the need to take over for Bobby Petrino, that's going to be great fireworks. So, yeah, A&M is, is as good of a storyline as there is. And then how about quarterback battles at Alabama and Georgia? I mean, we're seeing Ty Simpson, Jalen Milrow battle it out, of course, in Tuscaloosa to take over for Bryce Young, easier said than done. And then Carson Beck trying to fend off Brock Vandergriff to become the next starter at Georgia. All of a sudden, the question with Kirby might actually be, hey, can we win one without Stetson? I mean, I think Carson Beck is more talented as a quarterback, but you still have to ask those questions. So, yeah, we've got a lot of interesting storylines kind of at the top of the SEC right now. Bringing up Bobby Petrino, one thing that I want to ask is, if he does you know, become the missing piece to Texas A&M, do you think he can parlay that into a head coaching job? Uh, not at a power five program. I don't think so. I, I think if he wants to, to parlay that into a group of five place, maybe I think his days as, as get, as being the face of a power five program are probably done. If I had to guess and look, I mean, that's based on kind of what the market is dictating. If you can lead an offense at a high level at a place like AM, obviously you're going to have a lot of eyeballs on you, but I, I would probably Yes, given how limited his tenures have been at everywhere he's ever been, that somebody would want to invest the time and money and energy into Bobby Petrino being the face of a program. Connor O'Gara from Saturday Down South joining us here on Crunch Time. Connor, appreciate your time as always. Enjoy the NCAA tournament this weekend. And uh, when the NFL draft rolls around here in a few weeks, we can, uh, we'll can we reach out and talk again. Awesome. Appreciate it, man. And there he goes, Connor O'Gara from Saturday down south. James, there's a rumor in the New Orleans Saints universe that the Saints have a meeting lined up with 
one Will Anderson? I wonder why. Are the Saints looking at moving up that far? Oh man. Oh no, I don't I don't know that I like that. You would have to give up a lot. That that's what worries me. Mm-hmm. You'd have to give up a lot. I I mean don't get me wrong, I would love a player of Will Anderson's caliber, but going from 29 to the top 10? That's a lot. That's a lot. And even then probably have to get into the top 5. And that's look, a that's a big jump. And look, you would have had a pick that you could have moved if you would not have traded for Chris Olave last year. But I'm not complaining about that. Olave had a great rookie year, and he's going to be a key part of the Saints offense for years to come. We'll take a timeout, wrap up hour number one right after this. This is Crunch Time on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. It's crawfish time in the game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles has everything you need for the ultimate crawfish boil with the game's ultimate crawfish boil giveaway cooked up by St. Landry Lumber, Cody's Crawfish, and Iron Horse Sales and Service. Register the Game Rewards Club for a $500 Vista gift card, a boiling pot, a burner, a paddle, ice chest, tumblers and chairs, and two giant sacks of live crawfish. Plus, score a pair of Astros tickets. Enter now in the Game Rewards Club for the ultimate crawfish boil giveaway cooked up by St. Landry Lumber, Cody's Crawfish, Iron Horse Sales and Service, and the game. You're listening to the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Slings it far side. Stingley steps inside the receiver and picks it off. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. A shot to left field. Going back on its Gordon. He'll look up at the goner. Your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. Welcome back to Crunch Time. We're wrapping up our number one as we're broadcasting live from the EFCO Development Studios in Upper Lafayette. EFCO Development is a civil construction company that specializes in multifamily construction. Do want to tell you that the tournament is heating up and there's no better place to get in on the action than Fandle, America's number one sports book. That's because right now Fandle is giving new customers a no-sweat first bet up to $1,000. That's up to $1,000 back in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. You just got to go to FanDuel.com slash KLWB and sign up to claim your no-sweat first bet. Then you can wager on everything from the money line to point spreads to which team is going to cut down the nets. I'm going to take Houston, Alabama, and Creighton to win their Sweet 16 matchups, all on an app that's safe, secure, and super easy to use. So don't miss your shot at a no-sweat first bet up to $1,000 when you join FanDuel today. You just got to go to FanDuel.com slash KLWB to sign up. You must be 21 and older and present in Louisiana and permitted parishes only. First online real money wager only. $10 deposit required. Refund issued is nominal drawable bonus bets that expire in 14 days. Restrictions apply. See full terms at FanDuel.com slash sportsbook. And if you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-877-770-STOP. Also, don't forget to vote on the poll question of the day. Talking about Zion Williamson, do you expect him to return the season? Yes. No. Who knows? No. Who cares? No, I don't. Because it's going to come to a point where it won't matter. And if he's only able to come back for three games, unless you're still playing for something with three games to go, don't. It doesn't matter. 
If you're already eliminated from playoff contention, there's no business in him coming back. Now, again, if you're still fighting for that 10th spot in the play-in, then that might change things. But the way things have gone for the Pelicans, I don't typically believe that they're going to be playing for anything when, when that time comes around. So, yeah, I would I would just shut them down. No, I I agree because at this point you're watching the Pels. They're inconsistent themselves. Sure, they beat the Spurs last night, but the Spurs it's are the a sorry team. They're 19-54. and 54. They've been eliminated for a couple weeks now. Are you really that impressed? No. Are you really? No. Because even then you got to go against probably a Luka and Kyrie-led Mavericks team who've had your number since Luka's gotten in the league. Correct. You'd be playing against probably a Lakers team that's been on fire a lot lately, and they've come up from the slumps and actually become somewhat of a team. The Jazz are still respectable. And OKC, as young as they are, they got pretty much your number as well. As of late. They really do. They really do, especially the way Shea Gilgis-Alexander has played this year. Uh, Josh Giddy and Lou Dort as well. I mean, they've just, they're, they're a solid squad. And uh, they, they've, they've done it the right way ever since the big three left. I mean, I know that they have struggled for, for years, but they have stockpiled draft picks and they have gotten younger. And they're going to be scary for, for years to come. Hour number one in the books. Hour number two, going to kick it off with our guy Jake Crane doing Jake's takes on a Thursday right here on The Game. It's Southwest Louisiana Sports Station and your home for the LSU Tigers and the World Series champion Houston Astros. Hour number two right after this top of the hour sports update. You're clocked out. We're locked in. You're listening to Crunch Time with Miguez and Mesh here on The Game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. It's hour number two of Crunch Time here on a Thursday on The Game, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. And you're home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. The Game Hotline is 337-706-0111 in hour number one. We talked about the Carolina Panthers spilling the beans. We talked about the Raging Cajuns picking up their fifth win of their fifth consecutive win of the season, taking down Southeastern last night. They now head to Mobile to take on South Alabama for a three game series. And then we chatted with our guy Connor O'Gara about the NCAA tournament here in hour number two. We're going to have the voice of the Jags, JT Crabtree, join us to give us a preview of South and Louisiana. And James and I will give you our picks for tonight's games of the Sweet 16. But before we do all of that, let's do Jake's Takes with our guy Jake Crane, host of Crane and Company. Jake, happy Thursday to you, brother. How are you? And happy Thursday, guys. I'm, I'm doing well. Hope you guys are doing the same. Yeah, absolutely. You know, I love whenever the, the, the Cajuns and South Alabama meet because obviously, you know, you're you're a South Alabama guy, I'm a Cajuns guy. So <laughs> so we get to we get to chop it up a little bit. But you know South Alabama have has kind of started off slowly in, in baseball this year. They're eight and thirteen. They're on a seven game losing streak right now. Do do you think the Jags get it right against the Cajuns? 
You know, I, again, I think if you know baseball, you you get that that it comes and goes. I, I am surprised uh, at the start. You know, any you know, Raging Cajun fan knows that South Alabama has been a been a really good baseball program for a long time. Uh, so it is unfortunate to see, but you know, I always say if you're going to screw it up, screw it up early. You know, there's a lot of games left to play. Looking at, at really the full slate of conference games, this is a big one. And uh, what what a better way to turn it around that, that, than to at least go get two or three. Uh, uh, against the Raging Cajuns. So it's always a great matchup. They're going to be great games. Uh, hope, the, hope the weather stays good for all three. But, uh, no, nah, man, it's, it's been surprising. Now looking at the NCAA tournament, the Sweet 16s tonight, well, the first half of it, uh, Michigan State, Kansas State, Arkansas, UConn, Florida, Atlantic, Tennessee, and then Gonzaga and UCLA. Which of these four matchups is most intriguing to you and why? Man, you know, a lot of people are going to say Arkansas and UConn, and and I get that with with the guard matchups there. With I know Nick Smith Jr. didn't play well last game, but Devo Davis versus Noel from Kansas State, and and then putting you know uh, uh, Anthony Black and Keontae Johnson out there, that's that's going to be an unbelievably physical game. But man, FAU and Tennessee, because I always find it fascinating when two teams that are on the opposite ends of the the pace spectrum play each other, and and it tends to always lean toward the team that plays slower. That pace gets adopted more. So how is FAU going to answer when Tennessee comes out and plays physical and tries to slow the game down? Because FAU and John L. Davis and and those guys and that. You know, I, I forgot his last name, Vakaitis, whoever they got down low, that, that seven-footer. Uh, if they're able to play in transition, they're really, really dangerous because everybody can shoot. So that's a matchup that I, I, I put $10 on FAU to win the whole thing before the tournament uh, to win like two grand. So I'm rooting on FAU. So count me in on that one. You know, I'm actually going to agree with you because, you know, I've watched a lot of Tennessee, especially in this NCAA tournament, and you've seen two totally different volunteer teams so far. Uh, when when they played Louisiana, you know, they were very sluggish. Louisiana was able to stay in the game, and Santiago Vescovi didn't have a great game. And then Tennessee finds a way to survive. They move on. And then you thought, man, there's no way they get past Duke. And then they absolutely owned the Blue Devils. So I'm interested to see which Tennessee team shows up because I told somebody the other day that if the Tennessee team that shows up against the that showed up against the Cajuns shows up tonight, FAU is moving on. Yeah, well, look, I, I think you can count on Tennessee to play good defense. The question is, are they going to hit enough shots? Right. I mean, in the game against Duke, Kamwa couldn't miss. I've never seen him shoot like that from the inside and outside. I mean, there was a stretch in the, in the second half where I think he hit like eight or nine shots in a row. So the odds of that, you know, recreating itself, they're going to have to have Vescovy. Uh, FAU, I think, is going to find a way to score. But you know Tennessee is going to come out and play defense. A lot of it's going to come down to how the game's officiated, too. I mean, against Duke, they just let them – it was a brawl. If you watched that game, it was a fist fight the whole game. If they're calling it closer in this game, that benefits FAU because you're going to get the fouls up and the Owls shoot free throws pretty well. So, again, there's a lot of different variables. Uh, that's what makes it so exciting. Tomorrow night, how about uh, Houston and Miami? That game is going to be a dogfight, isn't it? Oh, you talk Again, there, there's so many good guard matchups in the Sweet 16. I mean, you got Sasser and Shedd versus Wong and Nigel Pack. I mean, goodness gracious. You can't ask for better than that in the collegiate game. Uh, I think that game's going to be a lot more high-scoring than what people think because when my – oh, the biggest question for Miami was O'Meary coming in with that high, that high ankle. How was it going to be? Well, he answered that pretty quickly, and now you get that weak break in between the first two rounds and the Sweet 16. So Miami's going to be at full strength. 
They were a team I talked about a lot during the season that I think they were a sleeper for the Final Four. That O'Meary injury kind of left me a little bit leery of them, but he looks healthy, and, uh, man, that's going to be a heck of a basketball game. You know, looking at the NFL now, free agency still going on. Still don't know what Lamar Jackson's going to do. Waiting on Aaron Rodgers and the Jets to finally come to terms. How about Ezekiel Elliott narrowing it down to the Eagles, Jets, and Bengals? Man, look, I, I don't think you could go wrong with, with either one of those. Uh, Zeke is, is not old Zeke. I, I still remember watching Zeke, you know, when he was you know younger in the NFL and even back at Ohio State, run past Alabama and, and hit these big runs. He's not that guy anymore. His explosive runs are, are 15 to 25 yards, but he's got great vision in the box. He can get you the, the extra yard on, on fourth and short. Uh, he's, he does a decent job catching the ball out of the backfield. So he can be a nice plug-and-play guy for somebody, a nice red zone guy, a nice third and short guy. And uh, if you're on the back end of your career and you're a running back, you might as well go to a place that has a chance. And if Aaron Rodgers go to, goes to the Jets, I think they're instant Super Bowl contenders, and we know uh, about the Bengals and obviously the Eagles. So uh, I think the Eagles are going to take uh, either B. John Robinson or Nolan Smith. And if they take B. John Robinson, then you can pretty much forget about Zeke. Jake Crane, host of Crane & Company, joining us here for Jake's Takes. Uh, Zion Williamson, it was announced yesterday that he has been cleared to return to on-court activities but will be reevaluated in two weeks. Jake, there's two and a half weeks left of the season, and if the Pelicans don't turn it around quickly, they're not going to be playing for anything here here very soon. Um, if, If you're the Pelicans, do you shut them down? I mean, uh, you might as well. I mean, again, how I don't know how much he can really help you right now. Like, I don't know how healthy he is. I don't know how in shape he is. Like, I'm not in that building, so I don't 100% know. But I do know this. I got called crazy last year when I was like, if the Pelicans supermax Zion Williamson, they're nuts. The man's Greg Oden. The man's Greg Oden. He's not going to be able to play. It's just sometimes it just goes down like that. And I don't think he's soft. I just think he's always hurt. I think he generates so much force in such a big body over time. There's no way he's going to be able to stay healthy. That's what makes it amazing when guys like John Morant and, and some of these guys that are so athletic can stay healthy for so long, but they're not built like Zion. I I just and people called me nuts and you know the core they had was was really good they were winning uh, I feel like they could have sent him to the Knicks or somebody or, or got a ton for him a king's ransom and let somebody else deal with that problem and I hope I'm wrong because Zion's a, a unbelievable player when he's healthy but at the end of the day the best ability is availability and let's face it the man's just not available and when he is available they're watching him like he's an alien. Looking at the women's tournament for the NCAA, you know, obviously here at home following LSU with playing Utah tomorrow, could you see what do you think the likelihood is that South Carolina and LSU both find their way into the Final Four? I mean, I, I I'm not going to bet against Kim Mulkey and Don Staley. You know, I'm I'm not the best women's basketball historian of all time, but uh, I know who the best in the game are. Uh, if you look at what Malky's done at LSU, it's everything everybody thought she was going to do. That's what she does. It's consistent success. Uh, they're playing at a very high level at a very good time right now. But I, I think we all have to agree South Carolina is the best team in this tournament. Oh, yeah. If South Carolina plays their best game, uh, I don't think anybody's going to beat them in this tournament. But LSU is, is you know, ascended, and, and that's not shocking at all. Uh, but, uh, again, I, I think that there's a better chance they do than they don't. 
and you know, looking at the bracket, if if they ran into each other, it would be for the national championship game. Oh yeah, look, it's that's it's probably going to go down like that. Like it's, I would be, I would bet that it's going to go down like that. And I'm going to say, uh, I mean, this will upset some people. Give me uh, South Carolina by twelve. What what are some bets you're making this weekend? Oh man, look, I'm throwing parlays out there. I I won a thousand bucks because I uh, live bet SDU against Purdue. Um, which I have proof, which we, we talked about on the show. Uh, but, man, just, just looking at the board, this San Diego State-Bama game, man, like I think it's going to be a little bit tighter than what people are thinking. The seven and a half is a lot. But the best bet on the board is Princeton plus ten. I mean, I don't know if anybody's playing better than Princeton right now, if, if you want to be honest. The only thing that's going to kill them uh, is if they get into foul trouble in certain spots and if the three isn't falling. But they've been unbelievably efficient. Creighton's been really good. Cockrenner's really good. Nimhart's healthy. But uh, Alec Pierce's little brother and, and Princeton, man, they're not playing around. Uh, so I like Princeton plus 10. Uh, and then Miami plus 7.5. I mean, goodness gracious. I mean, what do you, y'all must know something that I don't. Uh, I'm, I'm betting the rent on that one. So uh, there's some good lines out there. Gonzaga and UCLA, man, I'm not touching that. I did take FAU plus 5, and now I'm looking at it. It's down to plus 4.5. You absolutely love to see it. Jake Crane, host of Crane & Company, joining us here on Crunch Time. Jake, what's on tap for the show tomorrow? Oh, man, we've been rocking and rolling all week. Had Tom Luganbill on today. Uh, we It's it's Flame and Dragon Friday tomorrow, man. We're talking everything. We're going to obviously review the Sweet 16 games and then preview the ones coming up. Uh, talk to the NFL. We have live call-ins. If you want to call in and, and uh, let us know kind of what you think about a certain situation or ask a question, we do that as well. We're live in the morning, uh, 6.30 to 8.00. AM Central Time, uh, YouTube, Crane and Company, C-R-A-I-N, and uh, come check us out. Jake, appreciate your time as always, my man. All right, y'all be good. And there he goes, Jake Crane, the host of Crane and Company. Before we take a timeout, we talked about Lamar Jackson a little bit. What what are we going to see with Lamar Jackson? How are things going to go down? James, this is very interesting. The NFL has sent out a memo to all 32 teams instructing them to not negotiate with a man by the name of Ken Francis. Now, Ken Francis claims to be a sports agent, but he is not certified by the NFL Players Association. But he has been going around contacting teams on behalf of Lamar Jackson. Now, here's the question. Does Lamar Jackson know that Ken Francis is talking to teams on behalf of Lamar Jackson? Because Lamar Jackson's not no dummy. Why would he have an agent that's not certified by the Players Association? You know what's funny? First thing that pops up when you type in Ken Francis, it's a music artist. Oh my God. It's a completely different guy. But I mean, seriously, why would Lamar have an agent... Not certified by the NFLPA. Right. You would get him approved. Like, hey, yeah, you're somebody that the league's cool with, right? So this whole thing is fishy. Yeah. So if, if the way I see it, this guy's just saying, oh, yeah, me and Lamar, we're tight. I'm talking, I'm going to work his contract. Hey, Ken's trying to make a quick buck. Cool. Could you imagine if the NFL would have just been like, yeah, okay, you seem legit. Yeah, you pass. You're good. <laughs> Lamar Jackson signs a five-year deal with the 49ers. And Lamar's like, huh? <laughs> what? I did what now? 
man. What a world. What a world. We'll take a time out when we return. We will do our picks for the eight Sweet 16 games coming up tonight and tomorrow right here on the game. This is Crunch Time on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. If you want to see the defending World Series champs in person, you're in luck because the game 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles has their first Astros weekend getaway of the season. Houston takes on the Texas Rangers on Saturday, April 15th, and you can be there. Register in the Game Rewards Club to score four tickets, a tour of Minute Maid Park, and hotel accommodations that Saturday night. Astros weekend getaways are powered by Butcher Air Conditioning, La Meridian Houston downtown, and the game. Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. Let your voice be heard. Hello. Give us a call on the hotline at 337-706-0111 and speak your mind. Yellow. This is the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's Sports Station. Welcome back to Crunch Time 520 on your Thursday. Matt Miguez, James Mesh. Hit us up on the game hotline 337-706-0111. As we're broadcasting live from the FCO Development Studios here in Upper Lafayette. FCO Development is a civil construction company specializing in new multifamily construction. Let's look at tonight's four March Madness games. There's some good ones. And then tomorrow nights are just as good, maybe better. James, we'll start with tonight. First up, starting in about 10 minutes, Michigan State, Kansas State. Kansas State currently a one-point favorite with their record of 25 and 9 on the season. You know, I love Michigan State. I respect the hell out of Tom Izzo. But Kansas State, it just feels like it's time for them to make a run. It just feels like they have all the pieces, the coaching staff is there. I, I I can't I can't pick against the Wildcats. I, I just can't. Um James, who do you who do you have one in this game tonight? Yeah, I mean I can't blame you. Keontae Johnson, I mean, he's handling on the boards and leading the team in scoring. However, I remember when we were first making that bracket, I had picked picked against Michigan State, even though deep down I was like, I don't I don't feel like this is great, but I I we're just gonna rock with it. I'm not gonna pick against them again. I'm going to go with the Spartans. So you're taking Sparty. I'm going to go with the Spartans. And, you know, you brought up Keontae Johnson. What a story he is. Mm -hmm. Because you remember a couple years ago when he was at Florida, um, he he collapsed. He had a stroke on the the court. And you you thought that he was done with basketball. Uh, But he was able to come back and transferred to Kansas State and, and has really made a great impact for the Wildcats. So definitely exciting to see that game tonight against Michigan State. Again, tipping off here in about 10 minutes or so. Second game on the night, Arkansas and UConn. Connecticut is a four-point favorite with an over-under of 140. Look, UConn has been very good. Dan Hurley has had a great year as, as the head coach for UConn. 
but Arkansas has been a team as of late that's just not going to be denied, at least not yet. The way they were able to take down Kansas, the way that they were able to really just put away Illinois, I I just they were very close with Ar- with Alabama in the regular season. They hung with Kentucky as well. I just feel like this is a team, again, that, like I said, that's not going to be denied, at least right now. Maybe in the Elite Eight, they could fall. But with this matchup with UConn, I just I think it's Arkansas's game to win. And with both teams, usually in the tournament, it, the scoring kind of goes down a little bit. Yeah. But each in in the four total wins between the two teams, each of them has scored at least seventy. The line's at one thirty nine and a half. Yep. You taking the over? Probably you sticking with the trend. Probably. I mean, I I would too. The I could see a seventy four seventy two game. Yeah, I I think I could see like a seventy three sixty nine. Yep. I'm I'm gonna stick with the Razorbacks with you as well. I'm gonna go with SEC. Florida Atlantic Tennessee. <laughs> Look, I want to pick Florida Atlantic. I do. I do. That would be such a great story to see. We had Florida Atlantic losing in the Sweet 16, right? I think that's where we had. Yeah. Um, I, I would love. I would love to see them upset Tennessee, but I think Santiago Vescovi and Olivier Kamwa are just gonna be too much for them. And you know, Jake brought up a good point. It's two totally different styles of play. Tennessee likes to slow it down. Florida Atlantic's very fast pace. Which team? can control the tempo. That's who's going to win the game. Mm-hmm. Who, if, if Florida Atlantic can get Tennessee to play fast, I think Florida Atlantic wins. If Tennessee can slow down Florida Atlantic, I think Tennessee wins. Yeah, and I, I just can't see FAU doing that. No. I, with me, it was almost like a wake-up call in that first round for Tennessee. Almost got scared, almost got upset by the Cajuns. It was a close game. And then they had the wake-up call the next game. So I think at this point, you've had some nice rest. Mm-hmm. You you keep focus, and you take down the number 9 FAU. And then I'm going to have to figure out how to stay up late for this one. <laughs> Gonzaga and UCLA. Oh, man. I mean, two absolute blue bloods in college basketball. If you combine their records this season, they are 61-10. I mean, what more can what more can you say? The line is UCLA minus one with an over under of one forty five. Here's the thing with this with this though, the Zags, they're always going deep into the tournament. Always, always. However, they rarely ever get it done. That's true. They rarely ever get it done. And with how this season has gone, I want to go with the Bruins on this one. I think I'm going to go with UCLA as well. And, and Jami Jacquez Jr. is a guy that really, really puts it home for me. 17.5 points per game, 8.1 rebounds, 2.3 assists. Just an absolute unit. Of a guard at six foot seven, two hundred twenty five pounds, uh, I, I think he's the difference tonight mm-hmm. for UCLA. But if you're Gonzaga, Drew Timmy, Drew Timmy's going to get his. 
he he just will. Um, so if you're UCLA, how do you stop everybody else is going to be the question. But I, I'm going with the Bruins. Looking at tomorrow's games, again, they're they're just as good. San Diego State, Alabama. Alabama. I was going to say, I, I don't want to make this part of the picks really short, but, I mean, you just can't pick against Brandon Miller in the, in the Crimson Tide. No, no. San Diego State has proven that they are one of the best, making it all the way to the Sweet 16. But I think it just ends tomorrow night, and you just got to go with Alabama. Yeah. I'm, there's there A lot of people are looking at Alabama as the best team left in this tournament. Yep. Which, and I tend I, to agree. You can't you can't really disagree with that statement. I tend to agree. Um, look, San Diego State's a great team. They're going to keep it close. But I, I like you mentioned, I think Brandon Miller's just going to be too much. Mm-hmm. Miami and Houston. Miami's done really well. They have. Hurricane, hurricanes have done really well this season. But I picked Houston with our one bracket. I picked them to win it all. I can't go against them now. I gotta I gotta pick the Cougars. What is the health of Marcus Sasser? Mm-hmm. That's that's the deal. Because if Marcus Sasser can't be at a hundred percent, obviously, you know, these these five days off have been huge for Houston in, in terms of that. But if Marcus Sasser can't be at a hundred percent. I think I've got to go with Miami. I think this is where Houston's road comes to an end. Mm. If Marcus Sasser isn't healthy. What is your official pick, though? I It's hard It's hard to go against Houston. You're going with Houston? Yeah, it's hard to go against Houston. Um, I just think that they're going to be able to overpower because Marcus Sasser is going to play regardless. The issue is at what ability. You know, is he going to be able to be the guy that averages 17 points a game and shoots 44% from the field? Or is he just going to kind of be a decoy guy and let somebody else step up? That That's what my that's what Houston's going to have to figure out. And then the last game tomorrow night, Xavier and Tennessee, a 3-2 matchup. Xavier's always been good in the tournament. Texas has battled a lot of adversity. He had to fire Chris Beard earlier in the year. They took the interim tag off of their coach, and now he's got them as a 2C, 28-8. This game's going to be intriguing. I think I'm going with the Longhorns, though. Yeah, just like Alabama, a lot of talk about going with their program kind of off the court, per se, and they've they've still proven to make it this far. Even though Xavier's a really good opponent, I'm also going to be going with Texas. And then for the last matchup, Number 15, Princeton. Number 6, Creighton. You ready for this? I'm ready. Give me Princeton. Oh, Give me Princeton. Look, I, I want to go with Princeton as well. I want to. I want to. But they, I don't I don't know if it's just because I'm looking at, at the higher seed and I know like pretty much the seeding, it doesn't matter at this point, especially with this season with how many crazy upsets we've seen. They are they are playing with absolutely nothing to lose. They are, and that and that's what's most dangerous about a team, especially in the NCAA tournament. Absolutely, 
And so that they are playing with nothing to lose. They are going to go up and down the floor with absolute reckless abandon and do whatever it takes. Mm-hmm. And I think that mentality forces Creighton into some mistakes. And so I think it stays close. I think Creighton's the better team, but I think Princeton wins. I think for continuity's sake, I'm going to go with Creighton. Change okay. it up a little bit. This guy always wants to be against me. Always wants to be different. We can't have the same picks. That's true. That's true. We'll take a timeout. When we return, JT Crabtree, the voice of the Jags, joins us. Just announced that Sunday's game is being moved to a doubleheader on Saturday. We will preview the series next. This is Crunch Time on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. This March, you got to protect yourself against upsets with Bracket Parlay Insurance on FanDuel Sportsbook. Right now, all customers can get up to $25 back each day if your parlay of three legs or more falls just one leg short. I'm going to take Houston, Alabama, and UCLA to all win their Sweet 16 matchups. And with a parlay, you're going to be able to turn a small bet into a slam dunk. And with cash out, you're going to be calling the shots because you can close out your bet whenever you want before the game is over. Just sign into your FanDuel Sportsbook account or go to FanDuel.com slash KLWB to sign up today. That's FanDuel.com slash KLWB. Make every moment more with FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook. You must be 21 and older and present in Louisiana and permitted parishes only. Bonus issued is nominal drawable bonus bets that expire seven days after the receipt. Max bonus $25 per day unless otherwise specified. Restrictions apply. See full terms at FanDuel.com slash sportsbook. And if you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-877-770-STOP. Had a rough day at work? Got lady problems? Not to worry, because you have two wingmen right here. You can be my wingman anytime. Now back to more Crunch Time with Miguez and Mesh here on The Game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Let's talk some college baseball. Louisiana and South Alabama getting set for a three-game series that will take place over two days. Friday night at 6.30 and then a doubleheader on Saturday beginning at 1. JT Crabtree, the voice of the South Alabama Jaguars, joins us here on the game hotline. JT, really appreciate you taking the time, man. How are you? I'm good, man. Good to be talking with you, and um, thanks for having me on again today. So, question number one, as a radio guy, do do you like doubleheaders? <laughs> it makes for a long day, right? It's uh, especially because I'm typically solo on the air. So, um, yeah, it's a lot of me talking to the wall coming up on Saturday. But you know, I, I don't mind it. Um, it makes it, in some respects, a little easier because game two of the doubleheader, I've got something that I can quickly – talk about from game one earlier in the day so that's nice but um yeah i'll make for a long day at the park but hey i mean you know this time of year days off are few and far between so i am not mad at all that yeah. we're to play two and have a day off on sunday that's that, sure. that that was going to be my next point you and your wife are prob- probably pretty happy that you're going to be at home on sunday she is thrilled man she is absolutely thrilled especially considering uh next week we've got a five game week which includes uh, Southeast Louisiana coming to us on Tuesday, a road trip to Nichols on Wednesday, and then we're actually going to go from Nichols to New Orleans, spend the night, Thursday morning fly to D.C. and bus over to JMU for the 
the weekend series. So next week's going to be long. So I'm definitely happy that I can squeeze a game in there or a day rather in this weekend to have off. Yeah, no, absolutely. Looking at the Jags so far this season, eight and 13, an 0 and 3 start to Sunbelt play. But the biggest thing that sticks out, a seven game losing skid. What, what's, what's going wrong for the Jags last couple of ga- last couple games? Yeah, it's uh, it's just the fourth ever uh, seven-game losing streak in program history. It's tied for the longest. We have never in program history had an eight-game losing streak. And, you know, I wish that I could point to one thing and say, you know, maybe the, the runners in scoring position, that's been it. Or, you know, the, the starting pitching's been a little up and down. Or, you know, we kicked the ball around a little bit this game. It's really kind of been all three things, all three facets of the game that uh, seemingly every night it's something different for us. We're, we've got a lot of new guys, a ton of newcomers this year, a lot of JUCO guys that we talked at the beginning of the season that it's probably going to take us about 25, maybe even 30 games to really kind of figure out what we've got. Uh, we still have a lot of question marks on this team. You know, First base is still wide open. Third base has been kind of flip-flopping. Um, we got off to a slow start with Alta Murano at the plate, um, our catcher, and now he's hurt. And so we're down to one catcher on the roster. So we're, we're a little bit banged up. We've played some some really inconsistent baseball. And you guys know the pedigree of, of Jags baseball. It's pitching and defense, and those two things have not been sharp this year. And we don't have a, a single win by any starting pitcher this year. Our starters combined this year are 0-11. And so it's been a different thing each day. We're still trying to figure some things out. Man, we've been really, really close to kind of getting over that hump. You know, we're at Georgia Southern last weekend, and you look at Friday, we had the tying run at third with one out and just could not bring it in. We had some other opportunities. The The Saturday game looked ugly in the final score, but you take into account that you know, in the the third inning of that game, we had it was bases loaded, two outs for Georgia Southern. We get a strikeout, but the ball's in the dirt, and our catcher comes out to collect it, and he trips over the bat, doesn't get a throw off, a run comes in to score, and it unravels. Just strange things like that sometimes have been our undoing. So it, it's been a very challenging and frustrating start to the season so far this year. Uh, we've played a, a heck of a non-conference slate to try and – prepare us for what is going to be a very tough Sunbelt Conference slate as well. And right now, it is, um, it's been a really, really tough stretch these last seven games. You know, one, one thing that I noticed with, with the Georgia Southern series, starting conference off getting swept, do you think that's an advantage for South Alabama? Because the reason I ask that is because sometimes a, a sweep like that, especially in the middle of a losing skid, will just kind of fire you up just enough to be able to turn things around. Do you, do you think that's what you're going to see out of the Jags? I sure hope so. You know, we saw flashes of it on Tuesday when we went up to Montgomery and played Auburn. Uh, had some early opportunities in that ball game, and you know, couldn't get the big hits. We got the bases loaded in the first and left them loaded. Uh, we had a runner in scoring position with one out and left him on. And you know, we lose a one-run ball game on a controversial call, but we rallied late. And so the, the boys were pretty fired up at the end of that ball game, And I'm hoping that they've got a little bit of a bad taste in their mouth with the seven-game streak that we're on, the bad seven-game streak that we're on right now. They're good kids. You know, the, when we got off the bus on Sunday at Georgia Southern, Eric Orbeda, our second baseman, said, 
you know, hey, we're here to win a ball game. If you don't want to do it, stay on the bus. Go home. We don't need you. And I think we need a little bit more of that attitude, a little bit of a, a little bit of a swagger. And I know that's hard to find when you've dropped seven in a row, but these play these guys play better when they're a little bit mad, when they're a little bit ticked off. And I'm hoping that they'll have a little bit of a fire in their belly and try and snap this streak. And um, especially against a, a team like you guys, who you know, historically it's been a heated rivalry. Y'all are playing good baseball right now too. And um, you're coming to our place. I know you're going to travel some fans as well. So it should make for a really fun atmosphere this weekend. So I, I hope they're ready to go. They've, they're going to have their hands full because y'all are playing some good ball. And um, I, I really hope they're up for the challenge this weekend. Chatting with the voice of the Jags, JT Crabtree here on Crunch Time. Will Turner and Colson Lawrence have been the, the two leaders offensively uh, for, for this group. Talk about each of these guys, what they kind of bring to the table, and, and who else might might – we be missing for this weekend yeah will turner we'll start with him he's only a sophomore he's been our everyday center fielder and he's the guy for us you know we saw it last year as a true freshman uh he played every just about every game if not all the games and got off to a great start was hitting in the 330s all year uh banged up his knee mid-april and you know as a true freshman some teams got the book on him started making adjustments and he kind of hit that freshman wall a little bit so finished hitting in the 270s but overall had a great freshman campaign, and he's really built onto that. He's added some muscle. He had the the long, shaggy hair last year. He's cut it all off. He's all business, and um, he's been the real deal. He he has been our go-to guy. Uh, you know, kind of fits the pedigree that we always have of big name bats, big name speed, big name power um, out in the outfield with guys, you know, Ethan Wilson, Travis Swaggerty, Cole Billingsley, Brendan Donovan over the years as well. So Will Turner seems to be the next guy to have his name etched in as one of those big-name outfielders that we've had come through this program. Colson Lawrence is a Juco guy that he's actually a, a true two-way guy, and, man, he has just unbelievable raw power at the plate. He had two home runs against Auburn on Tuesday. One went uh, – it was 105 off the bat, went 410. Then the very next pitch he saw in his next at-bat – was 110 off the bat, went five feet further at it uh, at Riverwalk Stadium where the Sunbelt Conference tournament is. So he's the real deal, man. He's super, super power. He's a little bit of a, an all-or-nothing swinger. He's either going to hit this thing 420 feet or he's going to strike out. Uh, and so that's been a little bit of his issue at the plate. But on the mound, we were told preseason that this is a guy that could potentially go pro on the mound. His arm is very electric. Um, he throws up to 94. He's got a really good breaking ball. He's got a good changeup as well. So really excited to see where Colson goes. And then J.G. Bell at short was a guy that he's great with the glove, has a tremendous arm, but we weren't really expecting much at the plate from him this year, and that was okay. We knew what we were getting when we brought him in, and he's really, really paid dividends at the at the plate this year, hitting you know just under 280 this year. He's driven in 16. He's been an unbelievable clutch hitter with two outs on him this year. So really excited what um, what he's been doing so far this season at the plate. The issue we've had at the plate this year has really been at the corners. You know, our first baseman, we've run through four different guys, and collectively, first baseman on our, on our team this year are hitting a buck 77. And then at third, we've rotated Mitchell Hur, who's a JUCO guy. He was Alabama Juco player of the year last year and Hunter Donaldson who's been an outfielder for us the last two years he's played at third a little bit this year 
and collectively those guys are hitting 183. And so we've had some dead spots in the lineup, and that's where we're trying to find some more. There's there's legitimately four spots on this team right now in the everyday lineup that we still don't have figured out. And so I think once we figure out those spots, we'll really start to see this team take off. But right now, those corner infield spots are really, really not giving us a, a ton of the plates so far this season. And, you know, I know you brought up the the starting pitchers and how they don't have a win yet on the season. Uh, who Who is the starting rotation for this weekend, and what can Cajun hitters expect out of them? So we're going to mix it up a little bit just in terms of days guys are throwing and not necessarily personnel. Um, all season long, it's been Jeremy Lee, and you know you guys didn't see him last year because he was out with the brace surgery, the partial Tommy John that he had uh, during the season last year. Uh, but his freshman campaign, he was electric in the fall and in the spring. He looked really, really sharp, and he looked to be the Jeremy Lee of old. And so far, he's been inconsistent. You know, he's had five starts, and one night he'll be great, and then another night it'll be a clunker. And then he'll throw six innings scoreless, and then he won't get out of the fourth inning the next. And so we're going to move him actually to Saturday this weekend for game one of the doubleheader. And our true freshman lefty, Garrett Connard, who it's, it's been really, really exciting to watch him pitch. He's second in the Sunbelt Conference in strikeouts with 37. He's going to go on Friday night, and he started five games. He's 0-4, and he's been just on the wrong end of some really bad luck. I mentioned that play at Georgia Southern where he got we got a strikeout with the bases loaded two outs, and our catcher trips over the bat, doesn't get an out. That's when he was on the mound. Or a, a play earlier this year where he's called for a balk because his normal delivery is he brings his hands to his belt, lifts them back up, then kicks forward, and he was becoming inconsistent with his arms and got called for a balk. And that's just a freshman thing that he's just trying to learn his way through. You know, pace of play stuff, how many times can you step off? How many times can you ask for the signs again? Things like that. Those are some things that he struggled with early on, but he's looked really, really sharp uh, his last couple of outings. So I'm excited to see what he does on Friday night. Uh, really excited to see what Jeremy does on Saturday. It's a different role for him. I don't think he's ever thrown on a Saturday since he's been here. And then on Sunday, I mentioned Mitchell Hurt earlier at third base. He looks like he's going to be our go-to Sunday starter. He's very similar to Colson Lawrence. The two actually went to the same JUCO. And uh, Mitch has a good fastball, hits 94, 95, uh, very, very good curveball as well in there. So really, really excited to see what he can do. He had a great outing against Georgia Southern. Uh, the uh, weird scoring decision that made his numbers at the end look worse than they actually were but um for him it's going to be a case of you know we started the season as our third baseman so his stamina wasn't really there on the mound it's going to take him a couple of games to build that stamina up so i'm curious you know with it being a double header and he's going to start the second game on saturday will he play third and game one on saturday I, I don't know i'd expect him to play there on friday but it'll be interesting to see what we do with him in the field on that day, or if we just rest him and get him ready to go for that start on the on the finale, but uh, it'll be Connard on Friday, and then Jeremy Lee game two, and Mitchell Her um, going for the finale in the second game of the doubleheader. JT Crabtree, the voice of the Jags, joining us here on Crunch Time. JT, appreciate your time as always. Don't give Jay Walker too much of a hard time. Uh, have a great call this weekend, <laughs> and uh, we'll talk to you again soon. 
I would doing I would be doing Jag Nation and all of Cajun Country a disservice if I did not give Jay Walker a hard time. <laughs> JT, appreciate you, my man. Thanks, guys. We'll take a time out, wrap up today's show right after this. This is Crunch Time on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. If you want to take your lady out for a nice dinner, but you're low on cash, not to worry. The Game Clubhouse has your answers. As a member of our awards club, score a $150 gift certificate to Mr. Lester's Steakhouse and a $25 gift certificate to Mabel's Kitchen, both located at Cypress Bayou Casino Resort. But you can only score these great prizes by becoming a member of the Game Clubhouse at 137thegame.com or 1041thegame.com. It's free. It's simple. Sign up today. From the Louisiana Raging Cajuns to the latest with the New Orleans Saints and Pelicans. Miguez and Mesh cover it all. I'm not worried. Uh, I think it's something that I can get under control. Now back to more Crunch Time with Miguez and Mesh here on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Welcome back to Crunch Time as we're wrapping up this Thursday. Could almost say Friday edition as we're broadcasting live from the EFCO Development Studios in Upper Lafayette. EFCO Development is a civil construction company that specializes in new multimedia construction. Do we want to also tell you that the tournament, it's heating up. We're in the Sweet 16 at this point, and there's no better place to get in on the action than FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook. That's because right now, FanDuel is giving new customers a no-sweat first bet up to $1,000. That's going to be $1,000 back in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. You just got to go to FanDuel.com slash KLWB and sign up today to claim your no-sweat first bet. Then you can wager on everything from the money line to point spreads to which team will cut down the nets. I'm going to take Houston, Alabama, and Creighton to all win their Sweet 16 matchups, all on an app that's safe, secure, and super easy to use. So don't miss your shot at a no-sweat first bet up to $1,000 when you join FanDuel today. You just got to go to FanDuel.com slash KLWB to sign up. You can make every moment more with FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook. You must be 21 and older and present in Louisiana, permitted parishes only. First online real money wager only. $10 deposit is required. Refund issued is novel drop of bonus bets that expire in 14 days. Restrictions apply. See full terms at FanDuel.com slash sportsbook. And if you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-877-770-STOP. With 749 left to go in the first half, Michigan State leads Kansas State 19-18. to so, so far, this game has gone about as, about as exactly as you would have expected it. I want to take this opportunity to thank our guests today, Connor O'Gara, Jake Crane, and JT Crabtree. For James Mesh, I'm Matt Miguez. Be safe, be well, hug your mom and them. Have one great weekend. LSU, Cajuns, McNeese, great lineup of sports as well as the NCAA tournament. We'll be back to recap it all on Monday, 4-6, to six, right here on The Game. It's Southwest Louisiana Sports Station in your home for the LSU Tigers and the World Series champion, Houston Astros.